Welcome to the Equip Podcast. Here you'll find conversations from people of all different walks of life, sharing their experiences, the things the Lord has taught them, and things to equip you. Equip is based on Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, that talks about equipping God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That is our goal here, to build you up and equip you through seasons of ups and downs in life. Welcome back to the Equip Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gibson, and today I'm joined by Debbie Stewart. Now, today is kind of a special treat. Debbie is on for the second week in a row because we decided we needed to have a part two of our spiritual warfare episode. So if you have not listened to that first episode on spiritual warfare, go ahead and listen to that one first. That's going to lay a good foundation for what is spiritual warfare, um, how do you need to prepare, and what you can do about it when you're facing it. This episode, we're going to go for some deeper discoveries and expanded information. Um, Specifically, we're going to be looking at examples of spiritual warfare. I know I've heard people mention I'm under spiritual attack or battle or the enemy is causing oppression or I'm dealing with spiritual warfare. So we're going to kind of look at, are all of those the same? How do we distinguish those, et cetera? We didn't get a chance last time to really delve into and describe what Mm -hmm. does spiritual warfare look like in my life? Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. this is happening, is it spiritual warfare? Is it not? Mm -hmm. So we're going to further explain that today. So let's just start right in God's word. There are three principles from God's word that he tells us. We know that God is sovereign. So let's lay Mm -hmm. a good foundation. God is sovereign over everything and everyone. Which, quick pause, if somebody doesn't know what that word sovereign means, can you give us a little definition? Yes. So it means God is in control. Mm -hmm. Nothing has happened in this universe, in your life, in this world without his Mm -hmm. approval or passing through his hand. Nothing catches him off guard. Nothing surprises him. He is sovereign. That means he is over it all. You know, that in itself should bring us some peace and stability, Mm -hmm. knowing I don't know what's happening here, but I know that God is in control, whether feels like it or not. So let's start there because oftentimes we can feel like that Satan has taken control Mm -hmm. and that Satan is running the show and he is not, but we'll further explain that. So that's the first thing. Let's keep that in mind. Uh, That is our premise over everything Mm -hmm. we're going to build. And then Satan cannot perform any acts He cannot do anything in your life unless God approves that. We see that in Job, which we're going to read in just a second. And several times throughout God's word with Peter. I remember the time where Satan asked Jesus if he could sift Peter. Oh, we're going to explain that Mm, too. I'm ready to get into that. And then Satan cannot force you to sin. He tempts you to sin, the Bible tells us, and then you make the choice. So God is sovereign. Satan cannot perform anything unless God approves. So God's over everything. And then Satan cannot force you to do anything against your will. You always make the choice. I think that's the cool thing where we tie in his sovereignty and also our free will. Is that he's not a puppet master forcing us to do things like we have a choice. That's exactly But it's like you said, nothing catches him off guard. Absolutely. So let's take a look at an example in Job. Job chapter one. If you're not familiar with Job, it's like 42 chapters. And this is where we see spiritual warfare as an example. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick up in Job chapter one in verse six. Here, I can read it. Okay, go six ahead. Through 12? That would be good. Yes. Okay. It says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? 
Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does God fear? Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house for all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Mm. So interesting conversation that took place about Job in heaven that Job didn't know anything about. I really wonder what the conversations are like in heaven about us. I, I think there are conversations about us. And so it's kind of like this little match. And the, and the enemy walks in and, he, and he, the Lord says, Well, you consider my servant Job. So the enemy did not bring up Job, the Lord did. Mm-hmm. You know, I've said to the Lord, don't bring me up to the devil. You know, don't, don't have conversations about me, please. But you can imagine Job is over here. The Bible says he's an upright man doing what's mm-hmm. right. He's obeying the Lord. And then basically, in all honesty, all hell breaks loose because the enemy is given access into his life. But here's the interesting underlying thing you might not recognize. Satan questioned Job's motives accusing God really of placing a hedge around Mm -hmm. him, some protection around him, suggesting that perhaps Job doesn't do evil only because God gives him blessings and not because of his devotion and faithfulness. So not only was it an attack against Job, it was also an attack against the Lord. Mm -hmm. He only does this because you bless him and give him things. And then he said, and if you don't, he'll curse you. Mm-hmm. So let's see what happens. So God was confident about Job's faithfulness, and the Lord permitted Satan to tempt him. Mm-hmm. And from that, we know what happens. If you're not familiar with Job, he lost all of his cattle. He lost his children. He lost his home. He lost his wealth. He lost mm-hmm. his health. And the Lord was confident about his faithfulness. And I have to ask myself from time to time, is the Lord confident about my faithfulness? This is how I know she'll respond in these situations. So how did Job respond to all those things that happened to him? How did he respond? He endured and he remained faithful and he did not curse God and die like yeah. the devil predicted. We also know we know what he did and we know what he didn't do. That's mm-hmm. why a, a read through Job would be helpful because it'll walk you through how he did these things on a day-by-day basis. How did he respond and how did, re- mm-hmm. did he react to difficult and hard things? And not only that, but God actually, Job actually praised God. We can read in Job 1, verse 20 and 21 says, he tore his robe in suffering and said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Mm-hmm. I have to ask myself, do I respond like that in time of suffering? So that is an example of spiritual warfare. That is a perfect example of being attacked by the enemy. Satan was allowed to come in and cause this chaos and disaster. And then a little side note, if you read all the way through Job, Job chapter 42 says, once he came through all of this difficulty, the Bible says that Job said, I know, Lord, that you can do anything and no plan of yours can be thwarted. And the Lord restored his fortunes, double his previous possessions. So I kind of call that double for your trouble. (laughs) The the Lord, just picture that. He gave him back, the Bible says, gave him back double what he had before. And verse 12 says, and so the Lord blessed the second half of his life more than the first. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good prayer that we can say for our life as we endure suffering, as the Lord allows those things. And 
there are rewards. There are rewards for handling spiritual warfare correctly. There are blessings for responding and cooperating with the Lord when these things happen. And just one final note, I love the last part of Job talks about his daughter. As the Lord began to give him back children, he had a daughter and he named her Jemima. You're probably thinking about Aunt Jemima. I need some pancakes. (laughs) Yeah, so this will be a good way for you to remember that. And in those days, names were intended to send messages to other people. So I used to think if I were Job, my first child, what would I, what message would I want to send to people? And it, I would name her something that meant, I told y'all this was not my fault. <laughs> my message would be, I tried to tell y'all I was not in the wrong here. I didn't do anything. But it's the sweetest name that he gave her because here's what Jemima means. It means day by day. You know what Job wanted to say to us years and years, thousands of years later? This is how you go through seasons of suffering. You do it day by day. Mm, That's good. Who else can we learn from? Well, I think of Joseph for an example. A lot of unfair things happened to Joseph. His story starts in Genesis chapter 37. We know that Joseph was hated and he was thrown in a pit as a result of that. He was falsely accused by a woman, so he was thrown into prison for that. And he felt, if you read his story, he felt isolated. He felt forgotten. He kept wondering and praying, Lord, what are you doing in my story? And, And again, the enemy was using the circumstances. God had allowed him to be thrown in the pit. God had allowed him to be thrown into prison because God was working out a plan for him to end up in the palace. Mm -hmm. So God had allowed that. But what we see is, is that the enemy jumped on those circumstances to try to get Job to turn away from the Lord in Job's time of preparation and his equipping. Uh, Joseph's response in all of this is recorded in Genesis 50 verse 20. We know this well. It says, and as for you, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So we have to remember that nothing is ever wasted. God always has a reason for what he has allowed in your life. Okay, now clarify something for me before we get to more examples. Are you saying difficulties and hard times are always spiritual attacks or warfare? They are not. Here's where we need to make an important distinction. Every decision that you make, whether that decision is good or bad, you have consequences. I like to say all the time, I tell our, our team, you know, every decision that you make is seed that you are sowing. Because the Bible talks about if you sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. So if you sow good things, uh, that's going to come back. If you sow kindness and brotherly love, like we've been learning in Second Peter, all of those decisions and choices have consequences. Okay, so let's take another example from God's word. Let's look at Jonah. There was a huge storm. Did you pick all the J names on purpose? Yeah, (laughs) to try to remember, for sure. So Jonah, that storm he experienced was a storm that he created. He was in the belly of the well because of his disobedience, not because he was under attack from the enemy. So does that make sense, how you can Mm -hmm. create your own Mm -hmm. storm? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes in life, when a storm begins to happen, I do some self-evaluation. Now, Debbie, is this this something that you created because somewhere you got off track or you made some wrong choices or you got pulled in a wrong direction? We always have to look. So another storm, let's look at another storm that happened to Paul. This is in Acts chapter 27. He too experienced a terrible storm and he was shipwrecked. But the Bible tells us in Acts 27 that he was being obedient to do what the Lord asked him to do. The Lord wanted him on a boat to go to Rome to talk to Caesar. 
So we can uh, determine that God allowed it, that storm in his life. And what we know about the enemy is he, again, used that storm in Paul's life to try to tell him Jesus doesn't care about you. He tried to twist it. He tried to use it against the Lord. Mm-hmm. Why would this happen? You're, here you are being faithful and obedient. And look what happens. You mm-hmm. are in a storm. And he uses uh, those things and to pull people away from his word and from meeting together with God's people. I know someone right now who's in a terrible storm, and, and it's a very trying time for her and her family regarding a child. And she's very discouraged. And as a result of that, she's not coming to Bible study right now. She just doesn't feel like that's where she should be. And I feel like God, uh, the enemy has used that against her. I think it's a great place to be. But it's how the enemy gets in from time to time. So how do we know? Like, how do we distinguish? Is this my storm? Is this something the devil's trying to use? Is this something that is of the Lord? Like, how do we distinguish that? Mm-hmm. Well, how do we know? Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't matter which it is. It doesn't matter if it's the Lord testing us. It really doesn't matter so much if it's the enemy tempting us or even if it's our own discipline. What matters here is not where it's from. What matters is how we respond to it. That's what really matters. Um, His game, the enemy, is to watch us. He has been watching us from childhood. So he knows what's happened in your childhood. He knows what you have endured. He knows what you have done in private. He knows sins that you've committed. He knows uh, sins that you uh, are committing at this moment. He knows patterns in your life. He watches these rhythms that you have. He's watching your unhealthy habits and dysfunctional relationships, and he tempts you toward those tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you one thing that he has tempted me in, just an area, and, and you have to keep in mind, it's not always him tempting us to some bad, horrible, terrible thing. I'm never tempted to drink a lot of alcohol like people in my family have. I'm, I'm not tempted to go gambling or some of those things. Here's a way that the enemy consistently tempts me. To stay busy, mm. to to get in my mind, I need to stay productive, and by doing so, to stay busy. Do you know what my name means? You know what Deborah means? Mm-mm. It means bee, B E E, like a little bee, buzzing around all the time, uh, doing things, and that's what my name means. And it's funny how your parents name you in the beginning; they have no idea what your temperament's going to be. <laughs> but my temptation is not to rest, not to sit down, to reflect to meditate. Uh, In the beginning, when I began to spend time with the Lord every day, it was a struggle for me to sit down and be quiet. Mm -hmm. And that's just an area that the Lord tempts me in. So we really have to think it through. Um, It's good to identify. Do I believe this is testing from the Lord? Is is this my own issue? I, I look at it this way. Uh, no time in my life when I disciplined my children, did they ever say to me, why did I just get a spanking? Not one time did they ever say, why am I being punished or why am I on restriction? They knew exactly what they did that incited my required Mm -hmm. discipline. You know, so think it through, people. Have you done something to set a storm in motion? And if you have not, then you can assume that it is either testing or it is tempting of the Lord. Now, let me go back real fast because you mentioned as you're talking about 
being busy and keeping yourself mm-hmm. busy. You said it's something the Lord tempts you in. Did you mean like the Lord tests you yes. or the enemy tempts you in? Can you clarify that? Yes, I did mean that. I meant that that is an area of temptation mm-hmm. from the enemy, mm-hmm. that he will tempt me. Oh, you need to finish this. Oh, you need to do this. And it's usually good things. You need to prepare a meal for people, for some people, or you mm-hmm. need to make a hospital visit. All of those are good things. So that's when it gets tricky. That, when the good things are now tempting you. It really is. And you have to hit your priorities of what the Lord is calling you to. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And keep those in balance and keep healthy boundaries. So oftentimes the enemy tries to tempt me toward those unhealthy boundaries. And so I'm learning. You know, we always ask at at the end of our podcast, you know, that's something that I continue to learn. I'm learning now to sit and enjoy a sunset, mm-hmm. to just think to the Lord. I might not have my Bible out. I might not be in some prayer time, but to sit and look at his creation and to be overwhelmingly thankful Mm. and to spend time in thanksgiving and gratitude and appreciation for what the Lord has done and not be so busy. I heard a funny joke about this. The, The devil was sitting outside a church and he was crying. So after church and after the people left, the pastor came up to the devil and he said, why are you sitting out here crying? And he said, those people are blaming me for all kinds of things I didn't do. <laughs> I thought, that's so true. Sometimes we think there's a devil behind every bush or everything that's happening in our life is because of the devil. Well, and, and, and we now know it's not. Sometimes I think we treat it as a cop out. Like if I can blame the devil for this, yeah. I don't have to take any responsibility. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. And then that also incites sympathy when sometimes mm-hmm. somebody needs to say oh, to you, the girl, devil's tempting you. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you need to, what you need to do is get your life together. Uh-huh. What you need to do is, is straighten things up. The Bible talks about this in James. James chapter one talks about trials and temptation. Let's read what the Lord says. James one says this. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith Mm. produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So can you see how testing has has a need here while we need Mm, to be tested? Yeah. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives it generously and and not grudgingly. And it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. They are being double-minded and unstable in their ways. And listen, I need to go on and read uh, verse 12 and 13 because this is the key to pulling this together. Here's Mm -hmm. verse 12. Blessed is the one who endures trials because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Mm. There's only like four times, I think, where the Bible talks about someone can receive a crown in heaven. This is one of them. When you endure trial and you stand that test, you will receive the crown of life. But then verse 13 goes on to explain how temptation works. No one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God since God is not tempting tempted by evil, but he himself doesn't tempt anyone, but each person is tempted. Here's, here's the reason Mm -hmm. when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. So that's another area of temptation. Yes, the enemy is going to tempt us, but we walk into temptation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes walking into a mall might be putting yourself into temptation. Mm -hmm. So we have to be on guard against those things. John 13, 2 described how Satan put into Judas's heart, put into his mind, the decision to betray Jesus. 
And then also in Acts describes how Satan filled Ananias' heart with a decision to lie to the Holy Spirit about the proceeds from that real estate sale. And so God's word tells us that Satan's like a roaring lion roaming through the earth, seeking whom he may devour. Um, But then 2 Chronicles 16, 9 tells us, for the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully devoted and committed to him. Mm. So here's what we've kind of learned. God's purposes and has a God has a plan and a purpose for his children. And it's not always to rescue them from every trial, but to grow them through it. And he has a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. But we have to keep in mind Satan is working his plan against us as well, which is to kill, steal and destroy. And then I love the practical steps that we see in Ephesians Mm -hmm. 6. They're just so tangible to hold on to. Mm -hmm. And we touched on this in part one, but I think it's worth reading again. Mm -hmm. Um, It's Ephesians 6. Um, I'm going to read starting in verse 10, and it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his mind. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Mm. And the next comes the practical steps. Mm -hmm. It says this. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the enemy and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I love how he gives us everything that we need for these battles. Second mm-hmm. Corinthians 2 tells us uh, to be obedient in all things and forgive others, lest Satan should get an advantage on us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Mm-hmm. And then I love Philippians one twenty eight says, not in any way should we be terrified by our adversaries. Adversary. Mm. Well, I know we're about out of time, but I, can I just mention one more? Yes, please Let do. me mention one more about Peter. His story is found in Luke chapter 22. This was at the Last Supper. Jesus warned Simon Peter that a test of his faith was coming. That too has happened to me. When we spend time with the Lord, you know, our challenge is always 20 minutes a day for the rest of our life. Many times when I've sat down with the Lord in the morning to have my time with him, he will let me know of something coming. There will be some forewarning, it seems like. And at the Last Supper, the Lord said this to Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Hmm. That outspoken disciple seemed to be in the same predicament as Job when Satan sought to test Job. So you can see how the enemy is coming to the Lord. I want to test Job, or I mean, I want to tempt Job, and I want to sift Sift Peter. And the word sift, Satan wanted to sift Peter as wheat, the Bible says, which means he wanted to shake Peter's faith so forcefully that he would fall, proving that God's faithful servant was lacking. But God was confident in Peter's faith, and God allowed Peter to be sifted. Why? I don't know exactly the side of heaven why he allows us to be sifted other than because Peter needed to be sifted. That's that we have to believe that's one reason. Mm. But the Bible says that God says, I have prayed for your faith that it may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So Peter had failure in his life. He was the one who denied the Lord. He rebuked Jesus and 
um, even when the Lord told him about his impending death and he denied Christ. So even in that, when the enemy seeks to sift us, we can respond in faith. Mm. Um, Before we close, I do want to read John 10, 10. Mm -hmm. And it says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I love so God. The Lord provides everything. And I'm reminded too in Daniel, the Bible says, in the last days, which I think we're in, the enemy seeks to wear out the saints of the Most High. So as he seeks to do that, we're going to seek to have strong faith and re- and build a resilient life because the Lord has given us everything we need to fight these battles. It's great. Now, before we close, you already told us what you're learning, but what are you loving? <laughs> I am loving this week as we prepare for Cultivate. Woohoo! We're thankful. And so what we want to learn, even if this podcast is, is listened to after Cultivate, we want to learn how to prepare and cultivate in our life what really matters. Mm-hmm. God's Word tells us those things that we need to be cultivating. So let's be about doing that. So good. Thanks, Debbie. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Equip Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode drops. And follow us on social media to stay connected. We're at GABC underscore women. See you next time.